0: You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week is Bill Lack, one of our founding editors at Red Leg Nation, um, our interview guru if you've been listening to the interviews with some of our Red Leg Nation spotlight players recently. How you doing today, Bill?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited.
0: Excited, really? Excellent. Sure.
1: Baseball's coming.
0: I know, that's the way I feel. Uh, usually this time of year I kind of have a, you know, college basketball in the brain a little bit, but this year my teams are doing so terribly that uh, I just can't wait for baseball to start. So, anyway, let's uh go ahead and get to the meat of the podcast here joining us today on the podcast is uh the prospect the minor league guru of the uh, reds blogosphere it's the second time i've used guru already that's pretty impressive um it's doug gray from reds minor leagues.com you there doug
2: i am how are you guys
0: doing great you doing all right today
2: doug, welcome aboard i'm doing pretty good
0: good deal um well it's spring uh bill sort of Jumped into that. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, we've already said how excited we are uh, for the spring. How you feeling about the Reds this year?
2: Um, I, I'm excited to have baseball coming back around again. You know, winter winter's pretty long here in Cincinnati, so spring always brings uh, some eternal hope for uh, our Red Legs here.
0: Yeah. I guess. And
1: like like Doug, I, I think we're more excited about the guys in the minor leagues than we are about the guys that we're going to be watching down at Great American Ballpark.
0: I absolutely. I agree with that. I, you know, I think 2009 is scheduled to be a pretty rough year for the Reds, but there's a lot to be excited about. That's sort of what we want to focus on in this podcast today is uh, some of the minor leagues, uh, the prospects in the minor leagues, and what the Reds have to look forward to maybe in 2010 and, and going forward, and who better to talk to, of course, than uh, than Doug. He's our go-to guy when it comes to uh, the minor leagues. Um, we may get into the, the big league team a little bit more here in just a moment. I'm like you guys. I'm excited just for baseball to be back uh, in general, uh, regardless of uh, how the Reds are going to be this year. But, uh, Doug, why don't you, if you could maybe, uh, what's the state of the Reds minor league system as, as you see it from your perch? I
2: mean, it, it falls right in the middle of the road on the uh, overall scale of minor league systems across baseball just because, you know, last year they graduated, you know, Homer Bailey, Johnny Cueto, Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, like this four really big-name guys, but they still have lots of high-end talent um, sprinkled throughout the system. But the real main key that they have is they've got a lot of depth everywhere. You know, the days of having, you know, five or six organizational guys starting at every level who really don't have a chance to be major leaguers, that's that's well in the past now. Every, every team has real prospects in almost every position so that's something that's really impressive with the system right
0: now and that's something we've not seen in cincinnati really it's been uh, well I, I don't know when i can't remember back uh, when we've had this kind of depth in the minor league system
1: it was before the marg shot era i mean that goes back what now almost 20 years
0: yeah it's been yeah it's, it's been that long um, Marge shot, who famously, uh, you know, didn't want to hire any more scouts, didn't want to pay her scouts because all they, they just
1: watch the games.
0: That's right. That's all they do is watch baseball for a living. Goodness gracious. Um, well, there, there's a, there's a few names I want. Well, look, before before we get into some of the names that, that I want to discuss and maybe touch on, um, with respect to the Red System, I, I note that it's not really rated as highly as it has been the last couple of years. Uh, you're saying that's because some of this high end talent it's, it's graduated uh, to the major leagues um, in terms of uh, Bruce and, and, and Votto and Cueto, I guess. Um, but uh, of the names that are still down there in the minor leagues, uh, I know you've said we've got a lot of depth, Doug. But uh, how do you feel in terms of which which? Can you pick out a couple guys if you had to say we're going to be real impact players on on the major league level? Who would they be? You got to start with
2: Yonder Alonso. I mean, he he's a very old skill player. I guess you want to call it. He's very patient at the plate. He doesn't strike out a lot, but he's also got lots of power. And he's a corner infielder, so, you know, he's he's going to be playing first base, which is going to limit his bat a little bit. But just at the plate, he's he's got the full package of everything. And then Todd Frazier another guy. He, uh, he'll he be starting in A this year. You know, he's he, he's got a full package. He strikes out a little bit more than Alonzo does, but he's got just as much power, really good plate discipline also, and – He he really needs to figure out a position. The Reds keep him at shortstop right now, but not too many people think he can stick there in the future. But it seems like right now they're going to keep him at shortstop. So it'll be interesting to see where he gets playing time in spring training with the Reds if he actually gets into a few more games. Those are the two guys that I'd really look for to be really big impact type guys at the plate. And then Drew Stubbs is the center fielder that we took in the first round a few years ago. His bat isn't quite as highly rated. But his defense is really special
0: to watch in center field. Bill, you've seen Stubbs up close and personal there in Dayton. What are your your thoughts on him?
2: Yeah, I I
1: think Doug's a little higher on on Stubbs than I am. We've talked about this before. I think he's a little higher on his bat than I am. I, I completely agree with him defensively. He makes easy plays look effortless and tough plays look easy. Uh, he's got so much speed in the outfield. He gets the balls that we're not used to seeing center fielders get to.
0: Well, if he has that kind of upside defensively, um, you know, if his back comes around any at all, uh, he could at least be a productive player in the majors, it seems like.
1: Yeah, my question is, Doug, you you said that you you still see Frazier as as a shortstop right
2: now? I I don't see it, but it it seems like the Reds are going to keep him there. Okay. You know, they want to get everybody there at bats in Double A, since that team's still loaded right now. But it's how nice do you? He's the th- only guy that can actually play shortstop and not embarrass himself.
1: So. Well, where do you see Valeka then?
0: That was my next question.
2: Triple uh, A this year.
1: Playing where? Shortstop. When this- Where's Janish?
2: Uh, good question. <laughs> I, just don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't have a full answer. I'd imagine <laughs> that you know valeka has got to have priority over Yanish at this point. I know Yanish has; he's got a good glove, but his bat just hasn't done anything for a while now. Pretty much since he had a month of really hot start in Dayton a couple of years ago, yeah. and I mean, in Triple A he looked lost at the plate for the most part. When he was in the majors for the brief time, I mean, he had that big game-winning hit in his debut, but past that, he didn't really seem like he had a clue at the plate. So, you know, Valeka he came into camp last year and really turned some heads with his defense, you know, improvements. And it seems like, you know, more and more people are starting to come around to the idea that maybe he can play shortstop in the majors for a few years before I to move off the position. So I think that he'll get, you know, priority over someone like Paul Janish in AAA at shortstop.
0: So you think Chris Vileka is the type of guy that might be able to stick at shortstop in the bigs?
2: For a few more years, yeah.
0: Well, that was my question was going to be if Valeka and... Um, uh, Frazier couldn't stick at shortstop. Where do they go? Um, you know, one at third base, where, uh, another at second base?
2: I mean, you, you got to look at something like that. Um, you know, maybe maybe even a trade option if, you know, there's not an opening spot for them. You know, the farm system, it's nice when, you know, your guys come up and help the actual team. But, you know, if you can get a good player that you need out of a trade of one of those guys, that also helps everything out.
0: Oh, that's a gr- good uh, problem to have. Absolutely. I agree with that.
1: Do you see? Do you where do you see Frazier ending up, Doug?
2: Third base or corner outfield somewhere. I just I yeah. just don't see his range being good enough for shortstop or second base.
1: What about Francisco? Where do you see him ending up?
2: Well, if he can't figure out his plate discipline problems, Triple A. I mean, but if he doesn't draw more walks and stops swinging at so many pitches, it's going to be tough for him to succeed in the major long enough to figure anything out.
0: Yeah, he could he could turn into Russell Brannion if he doesn't figure out. Uh... Is uh his uh strike zone i guess
1: well that I and mean, he is he is i mean i wasn't even talking about his off i mean defensively he's a you think edwin encarnacion's bad at third base he may he you know he looks like brooks robinson next to francisco
2: yeah francisco he's he, he's not he's not very quick his lateral movement's not really there he doesn't come in on the ball well when there's slow grounders to him and he's got a strong arm and you know, I think that he gets overrated sometimes by people because they go, oh, well, he's got a plus arm. And in the minor leagues, when you have a plus defensive tool, even if you don't use it well, people tend to overrate you on your defense for that reason. And I think that he's got the reputation where, you know, he's got that plus arm and people always talk about it so people get the idea that he's better defensively than he actually is.
0: Well, he can mash, though, can he, when he gets a hold of one?
2: Oh, when he gets a hold of it, you know, it, it goes real far real quick. What, what do
1: you think of Nefi Soto? Where do you think, where do you see his future?
2: Really, I mean, he might end up corner outfield or first base. He's got he's got the ability to play third, but he's got a long way to go. He needs to work with his feet a lot. He's got really bad footwork right now. I mean, his arm's really strong, but it's not the most accurate right now. But you know, he's 20 years old, so he's got he's got time. But you know,
1: with the log game we've got at third base already, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up in a corner outfield spot one day. Yeah, I mean, two things that I see on Soto. One is Matt Clinker. I was talking to Matt the other day. He thinks himself that Soto is, is athletic enough that he could play shortstop. But the other thing is with, with the shortage of, of corner outfielders that there seems to be in this organization right now, if I was someone like Frazier or Soto, I'd be begging them to move me to the outfield.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's. It seems like the Reds have a lot of guys that, you know, can fill that corner outfield position who may need a place to play just because of the overall depth we've got.
0: Soto's bat projects pretty well, though, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he hits. Lots of power. Yeah. uh, Good contact rates.
1: And everything he hits, from everybody I've talked to, they say everything he hits is square and on the barrel. I mean, everything he hits is hard. And I watched him, I don't know how much you saw him in Dayton last year, Doug. I watched him for, you know, I guess he was there about half the season. And he's a very impressive young man to watch play.
2: Yeah, he's he's one of those guys, you know, when I first saw Jay Bruce hit a baseball, it wasn't so much watching it, it was hearing it. Soto's got that same kind of thing. It's just a different sound when he makes contact with the ball that most guys in that level don't have.
1: Yeah, I know I know what you're saying about Jay. In fact I think I said that to Chad at the
0: time. You did, I said never,
1: I had never seen the ball come off of a bat the way it came off of Jay Bruce's bat when I watched him playing at Dayton.
0: Soto's still Soto. flying under the radar a little bit, isn't he? I,
2: mean, I think he's underrated right now at this point. I mean, you know, baseball America had a few guys laid it over him that I just I couldn't grasp the concept of having him ranked below a guy like Kyle Oscar who, while I love him, he's got an arm injury. And he's thrown all of 37 innings in low-A baseball. And Soto has just destroyed the baseball everywhere he's been for the last two years. I just couldn't couldn't see how that one worked. So I think that, you know, Red fans that, you know, follow the minor league system, they tend to overrate him just a little bit just because, you know, he's got a low walk rate and he needs to kind of cut back on his aggressiveness some. But on the national scale, I think people underrate him just because, you know, it's Hey, he was a third-round draft pick. Let's see what he does. Still,
0: let's go back for just a moment and touch on yonder Alonso, last year's number one pick for the Reds. He, I, there's no way he's going to start at Double uh, Carolina this year. Is he's he's destined for High A? Do you think start the year?
2: It, it's up in the air, really. I think that if he has a just a decent spring, he'll end up in Double A. You think so? I I do. That he's got the major league contract, so they're going to want him on the fast track, anyways. And after what he did in Hawaii. With the winter baseball league out there, he seems like he's ready to, you
0: know, take that step. I thought they might give him a month or two in Sarasota, um, and then, uh, of course, that when's the Sarasota season start? Uh, I don't. Know.
1: The Dayton, Sarasota, and Carolina all start about the same time, within a few days of each okay. other, generally, I believe. Yeah.
0: Well, that'd be interesting to see how he does now. If he if he, he comes out of the box in Double A, mashing the ball. Uh, it might get Joey Votto taking some fly balls uh, in left field.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, they've talked with Votto about before. They've tinkered around with putting him out there. If he's athletic enough, it's just, you know, getting repetitions, if that's the move that they are going to make, they're going to need to get him more time out there to get better at reading the ball off the bat with the way the details out there.
0: He played there in 2007, I guess it was, for a little while uh, at Louisville, and I don't think he embarrassed himself in left field. I
2: mean, some people were thinking, you know, this this isn't a good idea, but it seemed like as he went along, the reports kept getting better and better. You know, he's never going to be a gold glover out there, but, you know, I don't think he's going to wind up being Adam Dunn bad either.
0: Uh, we try not to mention Adam Dunn on this podcast. That's a sore spot at uh, Red Leg Nation. Um, I see that he's wearing... Uh, 32 now for the Nationals, uh, so my son won't have to choose between Adam Dunn and Jay Bruce's numbers when he picks his T-ball jersey this year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He'll make
0: that one easy, then. That's right. Uh, let me let me ask you about this one, and I think that you agree with us on this point. Uh, one of the biggest travesties that we've seen uh, over the last couple months is Danny Dorn not getting an invite to Major League Camp uh, this spring. What do you think about that? Well,
2: it's, it, I, I feel really bad for him. Like, it, it's like the organization isn't going to reward performance if it doesn't come along with, you know, a big name. I mean, far and away, he had the best minor league season of any hitter in the system, and he even missed a month. With, he, he hurt himself sliding to catch a baseball and had to get, like, I think it was 18 stitches in his leg, and he still had 22 home runs and OPS over 900 in A. and he plays a position that we were trying to fill all offseason, and he still couldn't get an invite to spring training. It,
0: it, it concerns me that, you know, it seems that
1: the organization took that stance. Bill? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, I don't know if you listened to my interview with Logan Parker, but uh, Logan has talked to Danny. And, and Danny's kind of concerned about it too, apparently. Uh, you know, he doesn't – I get the impression from what Logan said is that he really doesn't understand what he has to do to get somebody's attention.
0: I, I can't figure out – it just makes, logically, it makes no sense. Why, why not at least uh, bring the guy into Major League camp um, after what he's, uh, what he's done? And, you know, that's something that, Bill, that you talked about with all the uh, our spotlight players you've interviewed, really, is um, do you feel like, uh, you know, this team values where you were drafted or how much money they've got into you over who's performing? And, and here's a, an instance where maybe somebody that's performed well is still not uh, registering on the radar, whereas uh, some of the other uh, guys who may have been drafted higher might be registering yeah
1: and and Matt seemed to think that you kind of had to to get to double a before you got onto the radar anywhere and Dorn has done that so I don't know what else the poor kid has to do I mean this is also let's remember this is a kid that skipped a level he didn't play in low a he jumped from rookie ball to Sarasota and hit yes do you think I have a question for Doug sure go ahead Doug, where do, you, do you see the Reds releasing Szymanski if they don't if he doesn't have a real good spring training?
2: It's, it's got to be in their mind. I mean, you know, he started off really hot last year, and it turned some heads right away because for the first few weeks in A, he was really hitting the ball well. And then he turned back into the old Szymanski who struggled to make contact consistently. And, you know, it's, it's been five years since he's been drafted, and he hasn't even put together one really good season. And he's always been that raw tools kind of guy, and he hasn't really put anything together. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, April rode around and he wasn't on a team anywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, at some point, you've got to, you know, you're throwing good money away after bad. I mean, they spend a lot of money on him, but he he hasn't rewarded them with anything. He's the exact opposite of Danny Dorn.
0: If, you're, if you follow the Reds minor league system and nobody follows it uh, closer than you do, Doug, here's been the biggest, uh, I think, the biggest sort of conundrum in the Reds minor league system over the last few years, uh, one Homer Bailey. What are we expecting out of Homer this year?
2: It all depends on his health. When when his legs are healthy, you know, he can consistently sit in the mid-90s, pop out, you know, 97, 98, but... His la- the last two seasons his legs have been giving him problems between his hamstring and his knee. You know we've seen Homer come up at times for the Reds and you know topping out at 93 and 94 and sitting in the low 90s with his fastball. And you know he doesn't have the greatest control so he's got to have something that you know guys can't hit. If his legs are healthy and I-, I saw him at the end of last year you know he put a knee brace on and his knee was bothering him and you know he was sitting 96 miles an hour in the sixth inning and guys weren't close to touching him. I mean, it was A, but, you know, the velocity was there like it hadn't been for most of the season. And if he's healthy, I think that he really could start to live up to some of the potential that he has.
0: I have defended Homer uh, countless times from some of these charges that he's a, a head case or uncoachable, and, and and there were some indications early on that uh, a lot of that was just uh, – well, it was nonsense. But on the other hand, I've started to hear some things, and I don't know if it's just because he struggled lately, uh, some, from some people inside the organization who are, are maybe lending some credence to the line of thought that um, it, it's in his head. Uh, you, you say it's, it's health-wise. Is, is any reason to worry that it might be uh, in his head?
2: Well, you know, when he first came up, you know, there were concerns that, you know, he wasn't a coachable kind of guy. But last year's report started coming out from Louisville that, you know, he was going and asking the coaches, you know, what, do, what, what can I do to improve, you know, my situation? You know, I, I went up there, I've been struggling, you know, what, what do I need to do? So I kind of put those uncoachable things, you know, behind him as, you know, immaturity, but as he's grown, that's kind of gone by the wayside. I know, um, I know I've heard the, the, the things where, you know, it's in his head that he, he just needs to get past it and then he'll be okay. But you know you never really know with
0: something like that I know that Rick Sweet, the, the manager there at Louisville last year we gave a glowing report at one point uh, about his coachability and um, so I, I don't want to believe that this is a kid that uh, you know is is not coachable. The tools are there I you know I, I guess I want to cross my fingers and hope that you're right when that it it's really his health if he's healthy then he'll be right and you know maybe work his way into the conversation on the big league level this year.
1: I thought John Fay had an interesting point in, in the Enquirer this morning too, where he said, you know, at least going into spring training this year, they're not they're not looking for Bailey to be an ace. They're, they're they're you know they're looking for him to maybe be the number five guy. That takes a lot of the pressure off of him, and and I thought that was a real interesting point.
2: Yeah, and I I'm gonna bring up something else that John Fay wrote today. You know, he actually predicted the roster, and he actually had Bailey winning the number five spot in the rotation.
0: I, I, yeah. I could see it happening, absolutely. I think he's a guy that they're going to give every opportunity as well, kind of like we were talking earlier, because he's sort of their guy. Um, High draft pick, high dollar guy. Um, Even if he doesn't make the rotation, I think the Reds have to consider keeping him in the bullpen uh, this year. Um, I don't know. That's just sort of my opinion. He's got to get some big league uh, appearances. Yeah, it's
2: something that he actually talked about in an interview with uh, John Faye in the same article. You know, he said if he... Didn't make the rotation, and they wanted to be in the bullpen, or you know, be, you know, play first base. He'll do anything that they ask him to do. So I think it's something you know, at least has been discussed with him and in the in the organization if he has a good spring, but loses out the fifth uh, rotation spot.
0: Well, you know, the kid's got to know even if he, uh, you know, doesn't grab that fifth spot in the rotation. It's not a death sentence being sentenced to pitch in the bullpen, in the major leagues when you know out there you've got an opportunity to earn your way into that rotation. How many five starters did the Reds have last year? Well every year. Uh, it's not like he won't get spot starts. It's not like uh, it would be uh, the end of his career as a starter. It'd be the best thing for him.
1: You know, much has been made of the fact that you know Earl Weaver used to start his, his his young starting pitchers of the future in the bullpen. Now you know you don't see that as much anymore, but it is it is a school
0: of thought. yeah I agree. I think it's a a great idea. I think actually uh, Homer could have been doing that even before this year. Um, That that brings me to it, just to depart from the minor leagues for one moment. We were talking earlier about excitement over this team, and I want to see what you guys thought. Um, You know, I'm really I'm really discouraged by uh, a lot of things surrounding this organization. But on the other hand, this is the first spring in I, I can't remember the last time that the Reds have not been out there searching for, you know, three pitchers or something. They, you know, they've got a pretty solid one through four, possibly one through five, a pretty solid group of starting pitchers. Uh, that's that, that's different. It's not usually like that in, in Red Leg Nation. Yeah, they're
1: going to have to win a lot of games two to one and three
0: to two, though. Well, now I told you there are things to be discouraged about. I was trying to focus <laughs> on the positive. Yeah. Come on, Bill. Too negative. What do you think, Doug?
2: I mean, the, the pitching depth, it looks good. I mean, even rotation and bullpen, it seems like we've got lots of solid guys, you know, all the way down the line. Um, the, the offense, I'm kind of with Bill on that one. I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: I agree. Let's leave it at that. Um, yeah.
1: I, I, think, I think it's interesting, though, because if you, if you look, like I'm, I'm looking at our, our, organiza- our big board off the, off the website right now. You assume there's only like one or two bullpen spots on the major league level open there's the number five spot in the rotation open and the guy and you look at Louisville's projected rotation and their bullpen there's gonna be some solid pitchers at the triple a level too
0: depth again, like Doug was talking about yeah. I don't remember, you know, when's the last time we didn't have to worry about a, a Jimmy Haynes or a Jimmy Anderson or a Josh Fogg, you know, one of these guys that are going to go out there and throw up a 7 ERA for two months before they pull him out. Um, you know, with the depth that this team's got, you got to you got to be sort of optimistic that at, we're not going to score any runs, but at least the pitching should be decent. Yeah, I mean,
2: if you allow fewer runs, it doesn't take as many to win games, so... You know, even with a lackluster offense, you know, there is something that, you know, magic could happen if our pitching staff
0: clicks. Oh, one word when you're talking about that magic. Havoc. Havoc on the base page. Hey, listen, fast (laughs) fast Willie Tavares is going to create some havoc, and, you know, he's going to get on base every once in a while, and when he does, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be fun to watch. (laughs) I'm going to dial down the sarcasm now. I'm sorry. (laughs)
1: Uh, hey, hey Doug, we've got a we've got one guy in the organization that's facing a 50 game suspension for for some some substance banned substance. How much does that hurt his his prospects? And I'm talking about I know you know, but I'm going to say it, it's Scott Carroll is who I'm talking
0: about.
2: You know, I've I've actually you know talked about that before, and it seems like Scott doesn't really know how he tested positive for it. You know, he and the Reds both actually took the stance that they're going to fight that suspension. You know, they went and gathered a lot of information on it because that, from what he is saying, there is nothing that he has taken that should have tested positive and that, you know, the Reds are behind him with, you know, trying to fight this because they don't believe that he did anything wrong. So at least in the Reds' eyes, I don't see where it would have, it would have hurt him much at all because it seems like they're behind him with what he's saying.
1: Okay. Uh, the Reds drafted uh, Shane Watson in I think the second round a couple of years ago. And then last year last year I think or the year before I'm getting my years confused they they took Zach Stewart. Zach Stewart was very impressive in the short stint we saw him at Dayton. Seemed to pitch pretty well at Sarasota in the in the closer pecking order in the organization right now. Who do you see as the number one closer in the organization
2: behind Cordero? I mean, well, Jared Burton's got to be right there just because he's in the major leagues, and he's got that kind of stuff. But from the minor leagues, I think it goes Stewart and then Reneke. I mean, they, they both have big-time fastballs, and Renicky he's close, so he should get some experience in the major leagues before he has to take that step to the closer's role. But, you know, Zach Stewart, he was drafted last year. I mean, he's got a 98-mile-an-hour fastball that, you know, it's got movement on it. It's not a 98 miles an hour He's just a really nasty pitcher, and if he can control his other pitches, you know, he, he's the best guy for that role.
1: And he's young. Yeah, he's, he's only, what, I guess he's, right t- yeah, he's 21 or 22. And Reneke's, well, how old is Reneke, like 26?
2: I think he's 26 this year, yeah. Yeah.
0: You, you touched on uh, Kyle Lotzker a little while ago in, in our discussion um, about the, you know, maybe Soto and some of these guys where they were rated, um, but you didn't really get into him. What, what are your thoughts on Kyle Lotzker at this point? Uh, it may be hard to project at this point. But...
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be 19 all year, and he's going to be in the little minors. But the pitching staff in Dayton, I mean, they, they really like what they see with him. You know, he's got a really, really live arm. You know, he can throw in the mid-90s at times sits in the low 90s. He's got a really good curveball when it's on. Um, You know, it's an inconsistent pitch right now. I mean, he is a 19-year-old pitcher, but, you know, late last year he he had a small fracture in his elbow, and the concern was that, you know, he might have to scrap his curveball for another pitch, and his curveball was his go-to pitch last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as the season goes along, whether he has to find another third pitch if the Reds don't allow him to throw his curveball just for health concerns. But last I talked to Kyle, um, it was before December last year. He wasn't sure whether they were going to scrap that pitch or not. It was just something that they had talked about, and I think they're going to play it by ear and see how it goes.
1: I think another guy that's interesting to talk about is a guy that really came on in the second half of last year. Is Jeremy Horst? Uh, can you tell tell us what your thoughts are on, on, on Horst there, Doug?
2: He's he's a really advanced pitcher. Like he understands, you know, how to attack hitters. You know he works inside, outside. You know he 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 goes and he messes with his uh, hitters when he mixes everything up so well. He understands you know the, the pitchability thing that a lot of people don't really give credence to in the minors because they want to see the 96, 97 mile an hour fastball. You know guys get overlooked when they're just good pitchers. You know I mean Aaron Harang is a really good example of someone like that. You know he never had the blazing stuff, but he understood how to get guys out. Um, courses he's a, he's a big-bodied guy, which is always good. He's got a good frame. He's got a decent fastball. He tops up 92 miles an hour, but he's got a really good change-up. You know, he needs to develop his third pitch a little bit, but you know, from everybody that I've talked to, he's a real, real competitor, and he knows how to attack hitters, and that's something that, you know, you're not going to lose as you move up. So I think that while he doesn't have the top-of-the-rotation stuff, he's a guy that, you know, can really surprise a lot of people Just because he's got good control, he knows how to get guys out.
1: Where do you project
2: him starting the year? Sarasota rotation. I mean, after what he did when he got moved to the rotation, you know, there's no way that they could send him back to the bullpen anywhere.
0: Okay. Something else I wanted to ask you about, and this is something that's really interesting to me, Um, and I know it's going to be hard to project, and I know these guys are still young, but I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, a couple of these uh, guys from Latin America, Jorman Rodriguez and Juan Duran. Um, I know they're rated in the Baseball America list, both in, in the top ten. What are your thoughts?
2: I mean, you know, Juan Duran, he's real big, lanky, skinny kid right now. I mean, obviously, he's still 16, 17 years old. Uh, he's got lots of power. You know, he played in the Dominican Summer League this year against kids, you know 16 17 18 19 you know other undeveloped raw type players and his plate discipline was really good which you know for a young power hitter it's something i really like to see um, he, do, he his,
0: does have his, he does have good plate discipline that's that's very surprising a little isn't it
2: it is cuz you know at that age the, the rub on young dominican hitters is you know th- you're not going to walk off the island right. so they they seem to be more aggressive type hitters and then once they get over into America, you know, they, they start to learn play discipline a little bit more. So when there's a young guy that's got a lot of power like that who also understands the strike zone, it, it gives me a better feel, which is why I like him a little bit more than Jorman Rodriguez, who he, he, the reports that I had gotten on him is he, he's very raw in his plate ability right now. You know, when he hits the ball, he hits it well, but he has a lot of problem, you know, hitting the ball at this point because he, he hasn't seen much advanced pitching, um, and he, he's more of an, an athlete type guy that they want to take and turn into a baseball player. Still,
1: don't you see both these guys though as being five or six years away at the earliest of being any help? You, know,
2: you, have to, you have to you have to think like that. I mean, in five years they're going to be 20 and 21 years old, and the list of guys that you know make the majors at 20 and 21 is very small. So you mm-hmm. have to think that they're still at it, the very least four to five years away you
0: you mentioned about Rodriguez. Is it just that he projects out to be – he's rated, I think, ahead of Duran on the Baseball America list just because, I guess, the scouts are projecting him out to have maybe have a little more power. or What are the reasons, I guess, that he's ranked higher? Well,
2: he's a guy that, you know, he'll stick in center field. Um, he's got blazing speed. Um, he's just an incredible athlete. And, you know, like I said, he'll he'll stick in center field where uh, Juan Duran looks like he's going to stay in the corner outfield. So that gives him, you know, a little boost in the rankings because, you know, he's going to be playing up the middle. But he's just an incredible athlete. He's been compared to guys like Carlos Beltran and Eric Davis as far as athleticism goes. And guys like that don't come around too often. Like the scouts really love what he could be. I still think he's very raw, and that's why I don't rank him quite as high as Juan Duran at this point. But I can see where a scout could say okay well this is what he's doing now if he gets the right coaching you know he's going to be a very special kind of talent
1: well don't you see the baseball America list is kind of a joke I mean they got these two kids on there and the only reason they're on that list is because they were paid a whole bunch of money I
2: I think that you know it seems lately that baseball America is getting a little too friendly with the international signing guys Uh, I mean you know for example. Uh, over at Baseball Prospectus, Michael Liona he signed you know for 4.6 million dollars with DA's um, big pitcher this year, and you know he was rated the 20th best prospect in all of baseball this year by Kevin Goldstein at Baseball Prospectus. He hasn't thrown a professional pitch yet. I think that sometimes you know people get carried away with you know these super super high signing bonus guys from Latin America who have yet to play any kind of professional baseball.
1: Do you think you could make the semi-same argument about about
2: Yonder? Not completely, because Yonder, he played in a very big, high-profile college conference, and he did have some time playing against other professional players. He had a little bit of time in Sarasota, like 25 plate appearances, and then he spent time in Hawaii where he had 150 plate appearances. So he, had, he has a much you know safer track record to go on, and he's seen you know, more advanced pitching. I mean, even if it was in college, it's a lot stronger than what you're going to see as a 15-year-old doing tryouts in Latin America.
0: Did he
1: play four years of college ball?
2: I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it was only three.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm looking now. Yeah, it was only three.
0: Yeah, it was It was three because one of his, uh, you know, he had the, uh, when he was making contract negotiations, I guess, with the Reds, he could just always go back to school. So he sort of held the the final chip there. Okay, um, And I'm glad he didn't go back to school. I, you know I, I don't know if it was the best uh, best pick. It certainly wasn't a bad pick at that spot in the first first round, but uh, you know I don't know if it was the best pick the Reds could have made at that time, but um, he's got a lot of, lot of upside. Anything else, Doug, that you can think of that you want to uh, any, other, any other names we haven't touched on here that you think the Reds fans should be paying attention?
2: Well, one guy, um, we drafted him last year in the 30th round out of high school. Uh, his name is Juan Carlos Solberin. He'll actually be pitching in the World Baseball Classic uh, for the Netherlands team. Um, you know, he was a low-round draft pick, but he got paid like a second or third rounder just to keep him from going to college. They took a gamble that, you know, maybe they could pry him away from his college commitment, and they did. And, you know, he's he's a good prospect. Um, he'll be in Dayton this year probably. Um Good pitcher's frame, uh, low 90s fastball, can get it a little higher, decent off-speed stuff. He's, he's a guy that a lot of people may not be familiar with just because of his draft positioning, but you know, he got paid like someone who would be a second or third rounder because he does have that kind of talent. That, you know teams just passed him up because they thought he was going to go to college.
1: He'll be a starter, Doug?
2: Yeah. Um, he was. He's, he's in the rotation list right now. Six or seven other guys, but outside of Lotzkar I think that he's got the highest upside of anybody that could be in Dayton this year, as far as pitchers go.
1: What do you, hey Doug? What do you know about this uh, this kid Alec Buckholtz from uh, that played play in Billings last year?
2: Um, he's an interesting kid. You know, he his first two seasons at Delaware, he was really ripping the cover off the ball, and he struggled a little bit in his final year in college. And you know, he he dealt with some injuries off and on, and then you know, he went to Billings, and he again tore the cover off the ball. But he dealt with an injury again too. Um, I'm, i I see him kind of as a maybe a Justin Turner type guy who, you know, he, he is a professional kind of hitter. Um, not the biggest upside ever, but someone that you know could be a legitimate prospect. Um, I mean, I'd still like to see a little bit more from him because he only had 100 at bats or so in Billings because of the injuries. But
1: sounds like one like, of those guys they call a gamer.
2: Yeah, I mean, he is he is a baseball player in, in a good way. Um, not in, uh, you know, he isn't very good, but somehow he hangs around the major leagues for 12 years and sucks the whole time kind of way. So that that happens. And
1: that's- Chad, I think we got to put Doug on the spot here, though, and ask him about our spotlight guys.
0: No, uh, I was wondering whether we should do that or not, but, uh, yeah, let's do it.
1: So, so, Doug, tell us where you think our spotlight guys will start this year. Where, where will Logan Parker be when the season starts?
2: That's, oh, man, that's a good one. Um, my guess is probably as good as Logan's. You know, they, they probably got him in the double-A camp off the bat. Um, I feel like Logan, if he were to switch another position, because it just seems at first base he's not going to get the fair chance that he probably would get if there wasn't so much depth at the position right now. Um, I mean, I think that Logan, you know, he could be a guy that could be a major leaguer. Um if given the right opportunity, I'm not sure if he stays at first base he's going to get that, which really sucks for him. Um, And I know that you had touched on it with your interview with him that, you know, you talked to anybody about moving positions, and, you know, he said that they might look at him as an outfielder. Um, If he can be an outfielder, I think that he could start in double-A. If not, I'd be surprised if he started in double-A, just because I think that they are going to push Yonder Alonso to double-A.
1: Yeah, unless they had him at double-A as a, as a DH.
2: Well, that's, that's true. I forgot about that rule. I mean, in double-A, in though, they do have uh, pitchers hit in some leagues. It just depends on which park you're playing in. So having somebody DH full-time it doesn't always work.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, what about Matt Klinker?
2: He's got to be in the Sarasota rotation. Um, you know, he had five or six starts there at the end of last year. Um, I I don't think they'll skip him over Sarasota. You know, they probably want to get him at least 80 innings or so before they push him up to Double A.
1: And Tyler Stovall?
2: Um, Probably in Dayton, uh, just because you know he he wasn't the high round pick per se kind of guy that they're going to skip over Dayton and send to Sarasota. So I think that he'll, he'll end up in Dayton.
1: There were, a, there were a ton of outfielders on that Billings team last year. Where does Tyler rank among the guys that are out there? Is he is he near the top of the stack, or is he near the middle of the stack? or?
2: He's, he's a middle-of-the-road guy. I mean, I, he doesn't have the upside of a guy like Tony Brown, who's got tremendous power. You know, that's kind of the thing that the scouts are going to see when they look at a guy like Brown. You know, he can hit the ball really hard. Um, I mean, he's got warts in his game. And everything, but you know, Silva not a guy that might stand out to the scouts he's the first two or three times they see him. But again, you know, he's, he's that guy that he's got the professional approach to the game. And the more you see him, I think the more people will start to notice. You know, this this is the guy we need to keep an eye on.
1: He's also he also has a he has he also has speed. He, he's a he's a very fast kid. Apparently, stole a lot of bases in in college. And with the organization starting to talk about speed and defense, you wonder whether that raises your your you know your your uh, the way the organization sees you.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, they they talk the speed and defense thing, but I don't know if I fully buy into them preaching it as much as actually following it. Because, like I like we talked about earlier, it looks like Frazier's still going to be at shortstop, even though he's not going to play there in the majors. And then, you know, even at the major league level, they've got Encarnacion still at third base and nobody thinks that Edwin is actually a good third baseman. So they, they talk like, you know, they want us to believe that that's the path they're following, but I'm not sure if it's actually the path they're following.
0: One, one other guy I want to talk about before we wrap things up here, that I, for somehow we, we skipped right over him, um, and that's Devin Mesorocco. This is the kid I wasn't extremely high on after he first started uh, his professional career. And, I don't know, talking to some people and, and – and, He's starting to grow on me a little bit. What are your thoughts on uh, Messer rockland number one pick from a couple of years ago?
2: You know, I talked with Devin a few weeks ago, and it seemed like, you know, he, he was dealing with injuries last year I mean, and the year before. Um, he went into uh, Fall Instructional League, and he walked out as the MVP of the league He hit around 400. Um, you know, he's got a ways to go defensively, but he's got all the tools to stay behind the plate. He just got to take those tools and turn them more into baseball skills that he can rely on more often. Uh, I think his bat will be fine. You know, last year was his first full season. He kind of wore down as the season went along. Um, you know, he, he mentioned that, you know, conditioning is something, you know, conditioning your body for a full season is something that you're not really used to until you've been through it before. So I think that, you know, he's got the potential to live up to the hype that he got going 15th overall in draft, um, but he still needs a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, Matt, Matt has talked a lot about him. I think he talked about him in the interview, and then he's talked about him when we've, you know, when we've been together. And he says that the the uh, the, uh, the how far the kid came along last year uh, under the tutelage of Donnie Scott, who he said worked with the kid every day. He said it was was incredible. He said when the season started, a lot of the pitchers weren't real happy about throwing to this 18 year old kid. He said, but as the season moved along, his skills really really developed.
0: That's encouraging. Yeah, I mean he, no, go ahead. no, I was just going to say, that's encouraging. Go ahead.
2: Oh, you know, he, he talked about that. You know, he, he, he says all the right things. You know, he said, you know, he wants to get better on his defense because he knows that he's got a long way to go. And, you know, he, he said that he felt as the season went along, he felt that he was getting better and more consistent with all of the things. And that that's one of the main things he wants to work on next year is, you know, making his defense better because he knows that it is something that he needs to improve upon.
0: Let me let me shift gears here, for a moment if I could, Doug. You know that uh, all of us at Red Leg Nation have been huge fans of uh, of you and your site at uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com uh, for a while. I want to know when did you get so obsessed with the the Reds minor league system? Uh, tell us a little about Doug Gray's uh, obsessions. I mean, you know,
2: born and raised in Cincinnati, and well baseball. It just kind of spawned its own self. Um, You know, I love baseball, like I said. And, you know, I started thinking, you know, well, we're not really good right now. Who can we look to in the future? And, you know, I kind of started doing some research. And, you know, at that point, I was like, you know, maybe I'll I'll start a website about that. And it just kind of spawned up from there.
0: And and that leads into, uh, won't you tell us about this new project you've got going?
2: Yeah, I just started a new website. It's going to deal with, just the minor leagues in general. Um, it's called minorleaguenotebook.com. Um, me and 15 other guys are working on the site. We've got guys that are going to cover every single league throughout the minor league system. Um, we've got a guy that's going to help do a weekly radio show. Um, we've got a fantasy writer. Um, so it's just it's something that, you know, we're really looking forward to getting uh, going along as the season comes closer. Uh, right now, there's not a ton of things to do with it because you know minor league spring training hasn't started yet, but it, it's a really exciting opportunity that we've got.
0: Yeah, I've looked at it. It's got a lot of potential. I'm, I'm excited to, to keep watching it. Um, Bill, anything else, uh, any other questions you've got for Doug while we got him here?
1: I have one obscure player that I, I, caught my eye two years ago when he had a good season at in the Gulf Coast League, and then last year I think he was hurt. And I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Doug. He's a Chinese. I think he's from Taiwan.
2: Okay, is. I know who you're talking about. I, can't, I, can't, I have no idea how to pronounce his name either. Uh, the Do you United know anything about him? Um, he had arm surgery last fall. Um, he's, he's in Sarasota right now rehabbing. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to pitch this year or not, um, but he is throwing again. I'm not sure if he's pitching off of the mound or not. Um, you know, he, he's had a lot of injuries since since the Reds signed him. Um, it, it's a concern because, you know, coming out when the Reds signed him, you know, he had iffy mechanics, and he's dealt with two arm injuries already. Um, I'm not sure where his stuff is even at at this point just because, you know, he's coming off of the arm injury. So.
1: Okay. And, and the Reds do have maybe the best name in minor league baseball pitching in their bullpen. Is the name Mace Thurman, is that not a great baseball name?
2: It is a pretty good name. I'm, I'm a little more partial to Keltavius uh, Jones as the best name <laughs> in the red system.
0: I love that one. Oh, come on, guys. These aren't real players. You all are making these things up. <laughs> oh, we just make I, them I up. I promise you, we, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, Doug, I appreciate you joining us today. Um, I hope you'll come back and join us again on the podcast at some point soon. Um, but, really, Thanks a lot.
2: Thanks for having me guys. Uh,
0: keep up the good work. Uh, Thanks, Doug. Same with you, Doug. Uh, you know, everybody check out redsminorleagues.com and minorleaguenotebook.com. And, uh, Doug Gray, everyone. How about that applause? That's, that's nice. I didn't know we had a studio audience. Oh, listen. This is filmed before a live studio audience in Culver City, California. Uh, well, Bill, thank you too. Um, I don't know if I'm get, are you getting some feedback here when I'm talking here? This, no, okay. It's per- it okay. Sounds perfect. Uh, we'll see how it sounds once we uh, go into post production and everything here. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, appreciate you uh, appreciate joining it. us again today, Bill. I'll be talking to you again real soon. And uh, um, anything else you want to say before we sign off?
1: Uh, just got some. I got some more interviews in the in the works that I'm I'm working on, and uh, I don't want to jinx them by putting any names out there. But if they if they all pan out, we'll they'll be interesting. Keep up the
0: great work. You're the man.
1: Okay, man. We'll talk to you, you soon. You too.
0: Thanks a lot for joining us today on Red Leg Nation Radio. See you next time.